This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. It's really this idea of blowing on the embers of a child's strengths, interests, and passions that can be such a game changer. Connecting with strengths is so important. And then when kids have those deep interests, you know, just let them run with it. It's, it, we don't need to path- mm-hmm. pathologize a deep interest. It's, it's amazing. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. That mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. Also, we believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is bright and quirky, making life better for kids with learning, social, and emotional challenges. And I am excited to introduce my good friend and colleague, Debbie Steinberg-Kuntz. Debbie is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of Bright and Quirky. When she started her family counseling practice over a decade ago, she had no idea this would be her specialty. But her sons, who are now teenagers, had some unique strengths and challenges that compelled her to dive deeply into understanding them and their needs. She created in-person support groups and parent education for parenting and raising 2E kids, also known as Twice Exceptional. And that this struggle for very bright kids with learning, executive function, social and emotional behavior challenges, led to an experiment. And this experiment in the winter of 2018 was to run a 2E parent program online. And she made this dream list of 25 experts, thinking that maybe a few would agree. And in the end, just about everyone showed up, and it became the Bright and Quirky Child Online Summit which brought in over 15,000 people from 95 countries, and the numbers are growing. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here. Okay, so I started to tell your story, but I also want to highlight this is not only a, a story about creating something meaningful for the masses. I think this is also a story about what you are able to do, which is to manifest great things with your intention and your strong belief and just putting things out there. So tell everyone how this thing unfolded. Wow. Um, well, I think it first unfolded with me living this in the trenches as a mom 
and having, you know, I, I didn't know what, just sort of out of the box kids, um, especially my oldest. And we learned something different in every grade, but, um, and, and things changed depending on what teacher we had. One teacher would say, oh, I've raised three boys. He's just a boy. There's, you know, nothing out of the ordinary here. And then the next teacher would say, um, there's no way he has ADHD. My husband has ADHD. Um, he just uh, has behavior challenges. And then the next year, oh, I think your child definitely has ADHD. So he said, okay, what is going on? Um, we went for neuropsych testing and found out um, that he's very bright and also has um, focus challenges and attention and self-regulation. And that really started my journey. And, you know, getting a diagnosis, I had talked with parents about that all the time in my private practice. But being on the receiving end, um, and I think you can relate, Dan, mm -hmm. um, one of my clients called it the gut punch moment. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well said. You know, it's just such a moment I'll never forget. And then finding resources for kids who are both gifted and have learning challenges, turns out, is really challenging. And, you know, schools have gifted programs, they have special ed programs, they have general education. But our kids who are both bright and have brain-based challenges, twice exceptional kids, they don't fit into any of those silos neatly. So it was a really uh, long road to figuring things out. And once I figured out how to get these kids on the path to thriving, I had to share it. Mm -hmm. And cut. you said a couple of very important terms there that I think we should uh, quickly unpack for our listeners. So one thing is this whole notion of twice exceptionality. And you touched on that. Will you to let everyone know how you've come to explain what twice exceptional is? Yes. And you helped me learn this, Dan. Um, so if you think of a bell curve with typical kids in the middle, our kids tend to be on both ends of the bell curve. They have really advanced abilities, um, really advanced at reasoning. And then on the other end, they have brain-based challenges that make it make some things more difficult than they are for typical kids. So they're at both ends of the bell curve at the same time, which is complex. Are you actually saying that someone can be bright and smart and actually have problems? That doesn't, I don't, I don't believe you. Debbie. I don't believe you. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And that creates a huge problem because everybody thinks, oh, gifted kids should all be getting A's and we don't have to worry about problems because they're just give them time. They're going to figure it out. And then the child is often thinking, oh, I'm supposed to be looking smart here and this is really hard and I feel dumb and I feel broken. I feel like a failure. I feel like lazy or crazy. I've heard so many different terms over the years and um, these kids can feel really misunderstood and parents are sort of like deer in the headlights. What, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And another word that you've said a few times, I think it's important for us to discuss, which is this whole idea, the G word, um, gifted. And that's a word that 
um, has lots of different meanings, lots of different connotations, and also a word, I think, which is why you went in the direction of bright, uh, because it seems to capture more. But let's talk about that, that, that word and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Yeah, I, I think according to a number of different sources, there is a number of IQ, I don't know if it's 120 or 130, where giftedness, so-called giftedness starts. Um, so if we're talking about cognitive ability, there is some magic number, I'm sure you know what it is, um, where that begins. I sort of look at kids as having all different kinds of intelligence and bright and shiny spots. And if your child has some advanced abilities and also have challenges, in my book, you fit in under the bright and quirky umbrella. And if you find the information useful that um, our organization provides to the world, then I certainly don't need to know any IQ scores. And most parents have not had their child tested for IQ. Right. And that's really important. A few things about that. So, um, you know if you have a bright and quirky child. And bright and quirky kids don't always test in neat ways showing their abilities because they the strengths and the challenges can, can overlap. And so for everyone listening, again, just trust your gut about you knowing you have a bright and quirky kid. And we're going to talk about the different quirks soon so you can start doing the check mark with your uh, mental checklist for your child. Um, the other thing, just to say about numbers, it the field is split on this. So th- the most conservative number is this IQ of 130, top 2 percentile. A lot of people then go, well, no, it's the top 5% or the top 10% or the top 20%. And there's a lot of disagreement. And there's quickly, there's like there's arguments on both sides. The people on the highest end of the spectrum are generally have unique needs, and we don't want to water down those unique needs, those top 1% to 2%. However, there are way more people than the top 1% or 2% who have unique needs. And we don't want to just lump them into the general ed, the general world, because because of their asynchronies, they have challenges. So again, I think just brilliant how you've captured it all with Bright and Quirky, because these specific challenges run across a myriad of these kids. Um, and so... Debbie, tell us you know, what are the common, if you could lump them into these clouds or these categories, what are the main challenges you hear about from your community? Yeah. Now, many people come to us whose kids have diagnoses of ADHD or autism or learning disability like dyslexia. But what I find with these bright and quirky kids is they have what one of my clients called a cocktail diagnosis. They have different symptoms from different diagnoses. So I don't know that a diagnostic label is that helpful aside from, you know, having a common language to talk about these things and getting access to services and insurance coverage. I prefer to look at the specific challenges. Um, The first challenge probably our community is most challenged with is self-regulation or emotional regulation, you know, being impulsive, acting out in the classroom, not easily calming themselves. And then we also see a lot of challenge with executive function, time management, planning, organizing, social um, interaction, social cues can be tough. 
and then learning challenges like math, reading, and writing. And how about that anxiety? Oh, yes. <laughs> anxiety <laughs> is yeah. definitely on the list. And, you know, I've been talking to the most fascinating experts on neuroception and how we have these um, different neural pathways and states in our body. So I'm starting to think of anxiety as part of emotional regulation. And for our 2E kids, it can really run rampant because, you know, they might have the genetic wiring for it or just being in situations where you feel like a square peg in a round hole. And our kids get so many negative messages in school about sitting still or, um, you know, kind of going with the program or engaging in the work when, you know, they can be bored, they can be restless. And um, that can really promote anxiety. Yeah, there's such an interaction between what's going on internally with a child's um, wiring and the interaction with the environment and that environmental fit, right? I mean, it's just, it's huge that that interaction. I mean, we see some kids who are twice exceptional. They are in a particular school situation, often more mainstream um, or traditional, and they're having anxiety. They're having trouble with the regulation. They're not producing work. They are shutting down. They're acting out. And then when people are fortunate enough to have options to make a switch, and whether that switch is even unschooling mm -hmm. all the way to a more um, alternative or progressive approach, sometimes like 90%, 75 to 90% of those challenges can just go away because of that environmental stress that's heaped on over time. So true. So true. Environment of education is so important. And, you know, most teachers are not trained in bright and quirky kids. So it can go a long way to have conversations with the teacher about what bright and quirky is, some things that are working well at home uh, for your child. And um, also, you can give them sort of a one sheeter on your child that, you know, here's what can trigger my child, here's what works well, that can be really helpful. And then sort of like you're saying, if, if that doesn't work, you might choose to homeschool or find a different school and environmental fit is so important. You know, you just made me think of a former client who's a twice exceptional client whose mother shared with me his introduction video to his teacher. Mm. And what she had him do is it was I think this was about fifth grade at the time. He said, Hi, my name is so and so. And I want to tell you about myself. These are the things that I really love to do. And I'm passionate about and there was some like images and pictures. It was like a, a montage almost uh, that came in on the video. And here are the diagnoses I have. I have dyslexia and I have dysgraphia. And what that means is it's really hard for me to da -da 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 -da. It was like it literally brought tears to your eyes seeing it. So yeah. I just thought of that as another way of really helping a teacher who, as you said, does not generally get training in bright or gifted, let alone twice exceptional. And they just don't really know what to do with it. And it's like how any way you can make it real and break it down beyond the labels so a 
teacher can understand. And I love the child doing it because then they're sort of learning how to talk about it. I remember I was talking with Roberto Olivardia, an ADHD expert, and his son actually has dyslexia. And he said, you know, someone might come up to you and said, say, you know, oh, you can't read that or, um, you know, why are you writing that way? So he said, you know, we should come up with a little script of, of what you would say. And they talked about it. And then like a week later, that exact thing happened. And his son was prepared. And he said, you know, my brain works a little differently. It's kind of like three of the sharks on Shark Tank. Their brains work differently, too. And it's called dyslexia. And I just read differently. <laughs> Like, what a win. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> what a win. What a win. And um, for parents, you know, who are listening and your child is very sensitive to their challenges, which is typical, um, just know that in my experience, both in my home and with clients, it's it's a, it's a, pro, a developmental process to accept your profile. So for your kids, you're just trying every year with their level of maturity to help them accept it and be able to talk about it in a way that they feel good about. And again, it's developmental, just like everything else. Right. Very true. So, so the other thing, so going back to these, these bullet points, we have self-regulation, we have executive functioning challenges, organization, time management, attention, Learning challenges could be in the form of dyslexia, could be in the form of dysgraphia, which is the fine motor, um, motor writing output, could be auditory processing, visual processing. And then we have either a primary anxiety or depression where some of these kids are loaded with having that as a, as a primary issue or it can be secondary to their environment. And the other thing I was thinking as you were talking, and this probably falls under self-regulation, but the sensory overload, the sensory processing, what do you hear about that from, from your community? You know, it's interesting. When I talk to parents, often they don't lead with the sensory. They'll say something like, you know, when Connor goes to lunch, he tends to freak out. Or when he goes to gym, that's when we see all his behaviors. And what happens is we're tempted to treat the behaviors that we see. Um, but I was talking to Stuart Shanker and, and he said, let's pause and ask why. That one word is so important because we really do need to get to the root cause. And um, with the specific child, the root cause was a auditory sensitivity, very hypersensitive to sounds. And things would really kick up for him in the gym, in the lunchroom. So, you know, then we can say, okay, um, it's not about sitting still or being quiet in the gym. Let's get some headphones. Let's figure out how to make it easier for him. So getting to the root cause, especially with sensory stuff, and then potentially working with an occupational therapist uh, can be really huge. And mm -hmm. uh, another thing I just want to say is one, one of the key principles that I have come to is this idea of becoming a self-scientist. That when you understand your unique wiring or your child's unique wiring, we need to run experiments because every 2E child is different. We don't know what's going to work for each child. But if we could say, okay, there's an auditory sensitivity. Let's try headphones. Let's try doing PE somewhere 
other than the school. Let's try sitting at a quiet table in the lunchroom. There's so many things to try. And I think it's helpful if parents know that often the first thing won't work, that it very much is a process of being a self-scientist. I like that a lot. Um, and, and it really speaks to, it's okay to take risks. So when we think about a lot of us don't want to make a mistake, um, well, the reason we're even having this conversation or thinking about this with our kids is because things are not working, which is a nice way f- of saying things can be like a disaster or a train wreck that's happening in the morning or the evening or every day. Yeah. So, to, to, so what you're saying is, think about the why. Mm-hmm. Come up with a idea to try something differently and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. Yeah. Forward progress. Change often happens in baby steps. 1% gains. It can be the smallest little thing. Like I remember when my kids were in preschool and getting out the door was really hard. We sat down. We said, why is this so hard? Well, the biggest pain point is finding socks. So we just ended up putting the socks by the door. And it made our morning so much easier. It was the smallest little thing. And, And sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and you, you just said 1%. So I know that's something that you talk about a lot. So tell everyone about what's, the, what's this 1% rule? Yeah. Well, let me back up for a minute. And one thing I've learned that's so interesting that I think is really helpful as a parent is to recognize that neurotypical kids do a lot of things on automatic. They're just wired to do certain things. And our bright and quirky kids, I think it's great to think of them, uh, of many of their challenges being on manual. So they might look lazy, but really that skill is not on automatic, it's on manual. So, okay, how do we build the missing skills? I think doing them in baby steps is is such a great thing. And we just started doing something new at our house. I was talking to Sarah Ward, the executive function coach, and she said, people with executive function challenges, the skill of envisioning is not on automatic. Um, So my son and I started sitting on the couch at night and envisioning our day step by step okay, I'm going to have this class. Do I have this homework assignment ready? Then I'm going to have lunch. What am I going to pick for lunch? Could you please pick something from the salad bar? And just going through the day, I usually leave my water bottle. I'm going to scan the room for my water bottle. And who knew that this simple conversation that takes 10 minutes uh, could be so powerful? That's an example of a, a really small gain that's just been had a huge impact for us. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to tell you all about a company that is fully aligned with our mission at Parent Footprint to create a loving and healthy world, one child and parent at a time. This company is called Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to fish oil, and every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms all around the world and they take their mission as seriously as we do. Their mission is to fix the broken food system, and they believe that real food is medicine. 
They have partnered with us to give all of our listeners 12% off your order if you use the code FOOTPRINT12. You've got to check these guys out. They're at wildfoods.co. Generally speaking, when we have twice exceptional children, there's a lot, there can often be a lot of challenges and concern going on at the same time. And so, right, there, there is, it's getting out, this executive functioning, getting through the day. There's engaging in schoolwork. There's actually, when one is engaged in schoolwork, maybe producing schoolwork or producing it the way the environment is asking you to produce it. Then there is social challenges, potentially not connecting with peers or not really understanding personal space or being overly exuberant. I call it the tigger, right? Like every hello is a tackle and a lick your face sort of thing. And (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> you know, at a certain age, that's not cool. Um, and so that's why I think you're, this 1% is really important. It's like, we have to start with one thing in the, in the face of all the chaos. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think parents are so eager to make change and I get it. Life uh, on the bright and quirky trail can be complicated, but I think you will experience the most progress just picking one thing and making a baby step with that one thing. Because as you start feeling those small wins, success really begets success and you get momentum going. Mm -hmm. So as you have moved forward in this personal and professional process, what, what stands out as like some of the greatest moments that you hear about from the community all over the world with with the work that you're doing uh, in the Idea Lab, which we'll be talking about soon. Like what what is that thing that you're just like, wow, and everyone else in the community is like, wow, and it just it just uplifts everybody? Okay, that's a really good question. <laughs> you know, the the one story that comes to mind we um, get quite a few people from Scandinavia because I, I think what I've been told they say there is that every child gets an equal education. Well, with bright and quirky kids, we need a pretty individualized education. And that's uh, for some people really challenging there. So we had a mom in our group whose son had not been to school for a few years. He was having a really hard time and um, the officials wanted to send him to a boarding school for disabled children. And she just, in her gut, just felt like that was not the right thing. And I think what we're able to do is just open up possibilities and new ways of thinking. And we said, let's not focus on remediating his weaknesses. Let's focus on really building up his strengths and interests, with, which, by the way, every successful 2E adult I've talked to said this this is the way, really putting wind in the sails of, of your passions. And her son, who had just been hours and hours and hours in front of the computer um, and didn't want to do anything, responded to an idea that came up when the officials came to visit her at her home to talk about her son's education, which was bringing a composer out twice a week to walk in the woods with him and compose music. And she just said she never would have thought of that 
and it got her son unstuck. It was so unique. And that, that just, I was so excited about that. And it's like, talk about outside the box. Right. Go walk in the forest, right? Go walk in the forest. And, and these are the things, these are the things. So two E kids are generally outside the box thinkers thinking differently. One of the strengths, one of the many strengths. Oh, there are and future innovators. This really, really speaks. They are right. Like every, every famous innovator we know, I mean, well, we're likely to E. I know that's a big statement, but it's like, just name it. And they're, we, we think about them as having these quirks. Most of them, if you look at their past, were disastrous in school. We're hard to manage. We're hard to handle. And uh, they changed the world. So not to put all this pressure on all the parents <laughs> listening. So we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to create, uh, have a child who changes the world. We want a child who is uh, fulfilled in their lives. Yes. Like that's, that's our main goal here. Yes. Um, so talking about these kids being outside the box, like what you're speaking to and what the story speaks to is how important it is for us parents to think outside the box when we are parenting these kids. Cause we know the regular books, the regular, the regular field of medicine, psychology, education, it's just a lot of it doesn't apply to these kids. It's so true. It's so true. And you know, if you go, um, through the normal Western medical process, you will get a diagnosis and a list of challenges to work on, which really does not spark an innovator. It's really this idea of blowing on the embers of a child's strengths, interests, and passions that, you know, can be such a game changer. And, you know, the Swedish composer story is, is a real outlier, but I really see it every day in our group. You know, teens who enjoy coding, becoming uh, assistant teachers in a summer camp. Um, my son, who was really into drumming, joined the marching band, found a whole huge group of peers. Um, I, I hear it every day. So connecting with strengths is so important. And then when kids have those deep interests, you know, just let them run with it. It's, it's, we don't need to path mm -hmm. pathologize a deep interest. It's, it's amazing. I just love, you just said blowing on the embers of a child's strengths. That is poetic. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to quote you. That's, that's awesome. Everyone blowing on the embers of a child's strengths. Um, that subtitle for your future book, something like okay. that chapter. I love yeah. that. I love We're building that. building a bonfire. Um, tell, Yeah. Tell every so tell everyone like that. Now let's start. Let's move towards the summit. So you 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 had this idea, and I know you've been doing parent education, and you had been bringing in to your area, the Seattle area, wonderful speakers to um to the parent education night, and then you had this wish list. And my gosh, when people will go you to the website, which you're going to tell them about, and they see in the last two summits the the people that you have had speak, they're like everyone who's on the bookshelf like amazing <laughs> amazing people just because you asked yeah yeah our field is pretty amazing yeah so i was running these parent groups uh for two e parents raising two e kids and bringing in these experts it was going really well and i thought you know maybe i could do a group like this online and like you say i reached out to 25 of these experts who wrote the books that, that I adore and 23 out of 25 said, yes, I'm like, 
okay, well, this is not a parenting group. What is this? And I took a few days to research it. And I said, okay, I think we're having a virtual summit. And this is what I love about our field. They just, they want to help. And they all see bright and quirky, twice exceptional kids in their practice. Most psychologists don't receive training in this. They don't really, you know, they give them a list of sort of 20 next steps they could take. And a lot of it's just reading books. So they're really excited to um, have a resource like this. Um, So our first summit, we had over 15,000 people from almost 100 countries. The next one was even bigger. Um, This year, we're about to start the third annual Bright and Quirky Child Online Summit. And um, I have no doubt we'll have many thousands of people from many countries. And um, it, it just blows me away that there are so many people around the world dealing with this. And I hear from so many of them that they have never heard of Twice Exceptional, Bright and Quirky. And they come to the summit and they say, oh, I have tears running down my face because I finally understand what is going on with my child and how to help them. Yeah, and I um sharing with everyone, I have the privilege of um being on a monthly uh video Q&A with our wonderful colleague Dr. Susan Baum. And what is amazing is you get to see faces for people who choose and there is someone in Denmark, there's someone in New Zealand, there are people all over Europe, there are people who are next door and there are people on other sides of our country. And everyone is communicating and sharing experiences together. So it's that you're, you're bringing many people who feel in, in the most seemingly vibrant, resourced cities. Mm-hmm. You would think they're services, but, ev- but so many, everyone's al- often alone in this journey until they find their community, that people who understand. It's very true. You know, and I think our state that's most represented is California. And you would think like in Palo Alto, there'd be tons of people um, raising bright and quirky kids that are talking about it, but often people are not talking about it. So yeah. And what you're talking about is the bright and quirky idea lab. So what I realized after the first summit is that giving all this information is amazing and parents are having all kinds of insights, but to actually affect change, I knew that was going to take a little bit more, um, community and support and handholding. So we started this learning community, the idea lab where parents come in and we do all kinds of events every month, like with you and Susan Baum and, you know, being able to, this is a dream come true for me because, and I actually can't believe it worked, but (laughs) to take the (laughs) experts in 2E and ADHD and autism and learning differences and connect them to the parents where they're interacting and asking questions and getting answers. It's just mind blowing. It's crazy. And it, it not only happened, but it works. It works. I mean, and, and, and one person's question, uh, whether by text or, you know, email text or by video response, it, it, is usually several people's questions. So it's just this wonderful way of people getting all of this information in a um, very easy, accessible, and very cost-effective format. 
Um, we yeah. So I want to just move to move us along here because we're getting close with our time. Mm. And I wanted you to just take a little bit about the action plan because that you you hit on this a little bit with the experiments and earlier. Like, tell us about the bright and quirky action plan. Okay. Yeah. So when people come into the idea lab, a lot of people are in crisis, and I just picture the client who sat across from me who said, "Debbie, just tell me what to do." So I've interviewed over 100 people now, and I thought, okay, I need to sort of crystallize the learning into a few steps people can take. And um, that became the Bright and Quirky Action Plan. And it's six steps so that you can understand these really important gems that I've learned over the years, like really understanding not the challenge that you're seeing, but the root cause that's sort of that iceberg, the part that's below the the waterline, and then blowing on the embers of strengths and flipping the script. You know, so often we talk about our kids like, oh, my son is ADHD or my daughter is whatever. But how about my son is fascinated with math and drumming and he's got some attentional challenges he's dealing with. Let's lead with the strengths. Let's flip the script that we're talking about. And then we talk about being a self-scientist and running experiments. And the coolest thing of all, this was actually a really big surprise to me, is that with our Facebook group, while you do the action plan and you're in the idea lab, the collective wisdom from all of the parents, hundreds of parents going through the same thing that might have older kids who've done similar things or they've done therapies that you've never heard of. The, the collective wisdom is mind-blowing. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's been a really mm-hmm. cool journey so far. Nice. And I love, I'm going to highlight again something you just said, flipping the, the script. So this, this changing the narrative of the way we look at things. And when we change, I think it was Wayne Dyer says, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Ooh. And uh, and it's like so important to think about how we're thinking about this stuff. Okay, Debbie, not enough time. <laughs> so we are we are at the time of the parent footprint moment question. So tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a parent or as an individual and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. You know, I've definitely had many. I've definitely had many. And I want to just mention something that happened just three weeks ago. I was at a training with uh, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson for their new book, The Power of Showing Up. And this whole idea of showing up is really fascinating of being able, they have these three S's uh, being safe, soothed, and seen. You know, it just hit home for me how important it is to slow down and connect and limit my technology, the kids' technology. I think so many of us have, um, you know, muddy boundaries around that. And just to really savor that connection. And when I am purposeful about that and take time and really connect with the kids, it, it it's just, that's what life's all about. So the power of showing up has mm-hmm. just, wow, it's like living on a different plane. Very cool. Um, 
and so important for us to hear and to think about. And um, having just read that book as well, I've had the same like, whoa, it's really about those times, especially with our two wee kids that stuff isn't going right and we want to jump in and we want to fix and then we feel powerless, particularly the older they get um, with the, the size of the problems and the externalized issues. It's like we just need to show up sometimes, right? Just be there and just be there with them while they're walking through it, even if we can't actually do, quote, something. Yeah, it's so important. And just being a safe person in your child's life, you know, when we flip our lid or mm-hmm. we're so um, preoccupied, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of negative messages in the world. And if they can come home and say, my parents, my safe person, my home is my safe haven. That is such a gift. Yes, it is. Okay, Debbie, tell everyone about how they can access the summit and you know what's coming up. Okay, we have a super exciting summit coming up from March 12th to the 16th. You can sign up at brightandquirky.com slash summit-2020. We've got some incredible speakers coming like Stephen Porges, Linda Silverman, Jack Horner, Stuart Chinker, Mona Delahook, Mark Brackett, Seth Perler, Debbie Reber, Tina Payne Bryson, Ross Green, and one of our absolute favorites, you, Dan. <laughs> and I, wow. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a lot of learning, a lot of light bulb moments and a lot of fun. And um, so many. Yeah, oh, and go it's ahead. totally free for the five days that it runs. Each talk is free for 24 hours. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see everybody there. Everybody, you, there is nothing, there is no reason not to sign up. I just have to say this because it's just the speakers, um, they're just there's it's amazing resources and they are people who are wanting to share and if you go and check out the website you'll see how you can access the prior summits with also amazing lineups of people and it's just you get your own library of all the experts in video form um so i highly recommend it uh, Debbie, thank you for taking time out of your day. I know you are busy with the summit and doing your own interviews. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Oh, today. you bet. And if I could say one more thing, um, we talked about our learning community. So I just want to let people know that um, we have an all access pass if people want to buy the recordings in the summit. And then with that, there's a 30-day free trial to the community. So I would say if parents are feeling isolated, they want to make progress on the journey, the Ideal app is pretty cool. And we have Dr. Dan in there every month. (laughs) It's really cool. And there's no reason not to check it out. No pressure, just opportunity. Debbie, thank you for joining us. And uh, good luck with the next summit. I know it's going to be awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. It's always so fun to talk to you. Thanks for listening, everyone. You know what to do in your own life. Be the person you want your child to become. Model how to be a fulfilled, loving, and engaged human being who has awareness, who goes for what they want to go for, who still has fears, just like everyone else, who apologizes when we make mistakes. We need to show them how to be human. 
And always ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>